It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's Superhero Slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes, it's Superhero Slate. Hello everyone and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, fried chicken, and mm. superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Colonel Chris Dillard. Oh, and my name is Mike <laughs> Sweet Lightning Royer. Ooh, that's a good one. And this week, we're getting our KFC on. Uh, just, I'm, We're kidding. That was what we, what we were talking about before we started the show. We're getting our Doctor <laughs> Strange tickets this week. You cannot get those mm. at KFC. You no, have to go somewhere Unfortunately, <laughs> No. Um, Star Wars Celebration set some panels, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. what that means for everything. Ezra Miller might be on pause for Warner Brothers. He's yeah, not if we canceled did, yet. If we, yeah, if we did sound effects on this podcast, that's when you'd put the jail cell door yeah. sound effect whenever mm-hmm. we say Ezra Miller's name. Exactly. Uh, it's... It's never it's never good news with him uh, and more and more. Yeah, I I do realize now, Chris, that if we are able to get regular sponsors for the podcast, our intro is just ripe for plugging oh a sponsor. We, right? I mean, it's it's literally the best. Like, we 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 have this written down, but there's so much room for riffing and improv mm-hmm. here on the show. It's we're we're an and yes and kind of podcast, if you will, <laughs> um, for that. But I I'm literally here. Uh, you know, I was telling Mike, uh, you can hear that. It's my KFC Sweet Lightning. I, it's my favorite Mountain Dew flavor, and I'm hoping to try the Blackberry one at Buffalo Wild Wings later this evening. Uh, so if you guys have any fancy flavored drinks you like, let us know, because we love us a good food gimmick along yeah, the way. Yeah, we're, we're, we're extra fried right now because mm-hmm. uh, we both, <laughs> unplanned, went to Outback Steakhouse this weekend. Yes. Uh, Chris made the healthy choice and got some sort of, I'm sure, healthy lean chicken. Yes. And I got the blooming onion. Uh, I'm so jealous. My my envy. It was delicious. Well, I never I never got to finish everything that we ate because we went all out because my wife really likes the Aussie cheese fries, which is just fries with cheese melted on top of it. So not only do we get a blooming onion, but we got cheese fries. And then we were excited because this was the first time that we had ever gotten like leftovers from kind of like a a restaurant with fried food where we also own an air fryer air fryer so we were were like like psyched because we were just like oh hell yeah we can reheat this stuff and have a semblance of what it tasted like at the restaurant actually what we found out is the fries reheat pretty well in the air fryer i would say but the bloomin onion i feel like it, it almost encapsulates like pizza vibes where we like the blooming onion almost better cold uh-huh. than when it was reheated in the air fryer so just a tip out there for you folks if you're taking a little bit of blooming onion home i, I think it's pretty good did, just right out of the fridge did did it dry up in the air fryer uh the, the it, onion, well, if you would it, it got it got much browner for sure mm-hmm. and uh it was released it was it was as oily as a teenager's face when i pulled because it out of that air fryer i put it right on the paper towel the second it got out so it. my my tip uh, for for reheating pizza which i don't do very often because i'd love me some cold pizza uh, right mm-hmm. out of the fridge um uh half glass of water in with the pizza uh for some it, reason when you heat it with the water the, it keeps it, it in keeps, the in the, microwave. in the microwave? Okay, yeah. I was going to say, like, where's this water going? Yeah, yeah, I'm just dumping it right right onto the pizza. No, I'm kidding. Half glass <laughs> of water. Sloppy pizza. Slop it up, boys. Because it apparently, instead of just drying everything out more, it keeps, like, the moisture in with the food and prevents it from, like, over drying. You know, there's so. something onto this. If we want to continue to riff and just, like, take a beeline from what we're supposed to talk about, there's a person on TikTok that shows up in my For You page all the time that has some sort of 
interesting toaster. Like it's a toaster oven. Like you know, it's like a it's like a a monolithic you know rectangle on their countertop. But there's a little spout on the top of it where you pour like you know like a little like teaspoon or tablespoon of water into the spout before you put like your toast in it or whatever. So I guess it's kind of like a humidity toaster, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't get it. I've never looked it up, but if anybody knows what the hell that is, let me know. Why are people putting like little teaspoons of water in the top of their toaster ovens? Uh, like I, there's a hole there for it. I'm not just saying go ahead and throw water in your toaster oven. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. don't do that or don't, don't, don't make toast in the bathtub either. That's the other, what, what's the either. disclaimer? This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Yes, very much so. We, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we are not professionals, but we play ones on the podcast. Uh, mm. so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, if, if we haven't talked about food in a while, and I think this is a good opportunity to talk about our about our food stuff. So I ate a caffeinated donut. He I did. told Chris I've been looking for this for a while. I be, I believe it's Hostess that makes mm-hmm. it. Uh, they're donuts with fifty to seventy milligrams of caffeine in it because that's what the label says. I've I've literally never eaten caffeine before, so I was telling Chris like maybe they lose some caffeine during the baking process, but they can never truly know how much they lose. But mm-hmm. the donuts are pretty good. You'll like them a lot more if you like kind of mocha coffee adjacent flavors because that's how these donuts are made. Because there's a little label on the front that says like caffeine equal to one cup of coffee. So it's kind of supposed to jive with your morning Java, if you will. Uh, But yeah, if you've never had a chance to eat caffeine before, I know caffeine as a substance is kind of inherently bitter, which is why a lot of soft drinks are like extra sweetened to counteract the bitterness. Uh, But I didn't didn't really taste any bitterness. I mean, I can't think of anything with more sugar than a donut in it. So if you come across a caffeinated hostess donut, uh, give, give it a shot. It was fun. Not if you're pregnant or under the age of... 18, I think, is what the label said. Yeah. But like we said, this is podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Exactly. Uh, the other thing we tried this week, uh, we both tried the Nitro Pepsi uh, in the vanilla Ooh. flavor. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a Pepsi you buy. It comes in four pack of cans, right? You got a four pack as well. Or uh, mine was single serving. If if you have right. like a convenience store or a gas station, you might be able to buy them singularly. You you want it cold. And you want to pour this in a glass. This isn't a Pepsi you drink out of a can. Uh, despite oh, and pay attention to the can because it says pour hard. Pour hard. This this thing pours like a Guinness, folks. If you if you're familiar <laughs> with the thickness of Guinness, the nitro bubbles. It, it is just pure creaminess. Uh, I like. I haven't. I haven't tried the regular yet. They have a regular Pepsi, but we both tried the vanilla. And mm-hmm. you know, we're but we're not Pepsi drinkers either. Either of us, I think. So, um, you know, just just having a, a hit of Pepsi with vanilla, this very very thick foamy top to it, and, and just the creamy like smaller nitro bubbles in it. Uh, it just tastes like a whole new drink, and it's very very good. I think we we both agree. We we really like this. Uh, yeah, we gotta get a P- we gotta get a PO box so we can tell uh, Pepsi and. Uh, KFC were to send the uh, the checks to. Mm-hmm. And now they're that I think the, about they're it, they're the same it, company, are they, aren't they? Yeah, that they're the same corporate overload. So it's it's easy, just one check from one place, please. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll you know we'll take it, no matter what it is. Maybe send us send us your new flavors before they hit the shelves, right? Isn't there like a we talked about the the, the Pixel Coke coming out uh, in in early May that's coming up that apparently tastes like. Uh, the metaverse, whatever that tastes like. And, and then um, Pepsi has, they had another Pepsi coming up. I forget what it was. Um, but, and then Dr. Pepper is doing another, I believe, point-based uh, drink you can order. But anyway, we love our stuff. Please, please send us drinks. We need drinks. But uh, anyway, 
let's get into the listen to the show, Mike. We we we've rambled here. We we've yes and for almost too long. Uh, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about. Um, you've got two topics, and then uh, your third one that you've been watching is definitely something I've been yeah. living with you, and I love every <laughs> minute of it. So let's let's talk about the the Dead Eyes podcast. Yeah, these are all basically follow ups to things I've been talking about on the podcast for the last couple of weeks. That'll be kind of making their final appearance uh, until either another season rolls around or they announce that it's all done. But I finally finished the Dead Eyes podcast all about uh, Connor Ratliff, who was fired by Tom Hanks when he was cast in Band of Brothers for having, quote-unquote, dead eyes. So I finally got around to the episode 31 that features the titular Tom Hanks. And I won't spoil anything, um, but it was it was fantastic. You know, to listen to close to, like, 30 hours of content all about this one specific event that happened to finally get kind of like the suspect or I guess witness number one on the top of your list to come on and talk about it. It was just, it was just fantastic. And, uh, you know, Tom Hanks really yeah. lives up to the whole, um, lives up to the whole vibe of kind of being everybody's dad, America's dad, if you will, the world's dad. So the uncancelable um, Tom, Tom. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully let, let's hope it stays that way for sure. Uh, but yeah, the dead eyes podcast, super high recommend. Just wanted to come back and follow up and say satisfying conclusion to that arc. They kind of left it open-ended if he's going to continue the podcast now that kind of the mystery is solved in a way. So I don't know if it's, if he's going to pivot the kind of stuff that he talks about, but dead eyes podcast, go give it a listen. Okay. But th- here we go, folks. This, this is the big one for me. Uh, that's that just really hit me hard on Friday, and that is the the season finale of Severance. I've brought it up a couple times on the podcast. You gotta go watch Severance. I don't care how you get onto Apple Plus. I don't mm-hmm. care if you if you pirate this show. You, I don't care what you do. You just gotta go watch it because this show. I'm very confident it's gonna be like the next show to watch. It's gonna be it. Like everybody remembers like Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Like in that first season, that's just when the waters were starting to bubble. Right. It was that second season, third season when everybody was is, talking about it. That's so, what's going to happen this effort. Is this my next Westworld, Mike? Is oh, it-, it is. It is amazing. And I have really not been engaging with a lot of the fandom because this show it, it begs for theories, right? You know, everybody has a theory about this show of right. what all of these different components could be doing. And I, I don't want to know theories. I don't want to hear theories because with the amount of people out there on the internet, the odds are someone is right when it comes to their theory, right? You know, it's just a bunch of monkeys in a room on a typewriter. You know, eventually they're going to write Shakespeare. Eventually all these monkeys are going to get, like, the theory right of severance, and then I'll just be less surprised eventually, like, when the mystery is solved. But uh, Ben Stiller has been, like, directing every episode. Uh, They're beautiful. They're amazing. The cast is awesome. Uh, Adam Scott's Everybody is great in this show. you got to watch it. And the finale, man, I'm not going to spoil anything, but... It does one of those things where it's just like you're just waiting, waiting, and waiting for this one character to make a specific realization. And there's like this ticking clock going through the whole last episode. And just just when the episode's about the end, you just when you think, is he not going to make it? Is he not going to notice? He gets there, and then it cuts to black, and it was oh, just yeah. like, oh. It's one of those things where it's so satisfying, but then also you're just craving the next season. So, and man, I'm going to have to wait till 2023 to more than likely to get more of this. But luckily it's been renewed. It I was mean, renewed for season two. 
before uh, earlier in the week. So it was like it was like oh, the man. day before they were like season two confirmed, mm. and that way I think like people wouldn't know how the ending was gonna be yeah. kind of thing. So I mean, I've loved every episode of it, but I have seen some people say that the first episode is a little slow. I, I didn't feel that way, but now that they're all out. You can just binge them all the way through. Uh, I was happy to see some celebrities that I really like on Twitter were talking about the show after it ended on Friday. So it's starting to pick up some like steam. I just don't think a lot of people know about it because it's on Apple Plus, which is not the most pervasive uh, streaming network. Well, so they, they are an Academy Award winning service now. That, that's true. So keep your eye out. Go watch Severance. It's great. It's amazing. I loved it. A lot of familiar faces. You're going to have a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, big recommendation. Apparently they say the F word a lot, though. Chris, you let yeah. me know that. There's some yeah. sort of ser- there's some sort of weird third-party service out there that lets you filter out things from TV it, shows. And then it literally edits the show for you. So like you can like watch without the profanity or violence or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Which is Which is actually, when I think about it, I suppose if maybe you had like a younger teen, maybe if the show was kind of censored swear wise, they actually they might be able to watch it because it's it's more psychological than anything in a good way. So I don't don't use that service. It's dumb. Don't censor other people's art like that. That'd yeah. be really stupid. Well, Just that, wait till the kid di- gets older. <laughs> Disney, Disney um, and I believe Hulu before it was completely owned by Disney sued them a couple years ago. For, for doing such a thing. Um, so it's it's interesting to, you know, hear if it's, I don't know if it'll ever come back or, or what like that, but like they can't do, you, they can't do it on Disney and Hulu, but Apple TV hasn't uh, gotten onto them yet. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was, they were literally pushing um, Severance as like an example, uh, which was why I had to send that to you, Mike. That way you knew they, they said the F word uh, eight times <laughs> in uh, the first episode or whatever, yeah. whatever it was I sent over to you. So stay tuned. If you're a regular listener, uh, set your clocks to about uh, 52 weeks minus nine. So do it. That'd be 43 weeks, right? Hopefully, if it comes back literally the next year, which I feel like Apple's pretty good at that of turning things around. So we'll we'll be talking about this in uh in another year, hopefully. Oh yeah. But yeah. Uh, Severance, go watch it. It's so, amazing. So tell me about your new favorite series, Mike. Your new favorite <laughs> franchise that you're just now getting to. Uh, yes. If I had to pivot extremely hard here i'm working my way through the resident evil series which chris is is very familiar with and (laughs) anytime anything ridiculous happens i make sure to text him and let him know and wow the tonal shift between the first resident (laughs) evil movie and the rest of the franchise it rivals anything that the fast and furious has ever thrown at you did did i not i mean did i not call that exactly i'm like oh my god like it's funny because mike's texting me i have no way to get on the internet when he's texting me like to check this out in the middle of the day but i know exactly where he is and at what moment (laughs) he's doing it because i remember watching these growing up i'm like you know I, i didn't play the resident evil games you know uh to be candid but like i watched the movies and i was like I'm literally looking forward to him going along this ride um, from from one to the next because they are not very cohesive overall. It it's so wild. It feels like there was a conscious conversation that happened between one and two, where a bunch of creative stakeholders sat down and decided, okay, we did a really good job with the first one. People really love the movie that we put together. Let's do something entirely different that they haven't signed on for, and just let's see how it works. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, they made a a bunch of these to to bar my f word that we were talking about with the last uh, topic uh but holy crap 
it's in like the I think the 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 real shining moment of when I knew that I was what I was in for is you know props to them for bringing in the character of Jill Valentine in the second movie right but they dress her exactly like her video game character that's created from a Japanese society so she just kind of looks like mediocre cosplay um, when she's on the film screen usually you're looking for a little bit of extra when you're on the screen and then her first thing that she does in the movie is she busts into like um like a police uh, station and she headshots perfectly all of these zombies going crazy and then she has some sort of ridiculous mm-hmm. one-liner after she says that I'm like oh my god what am I watching like everybody everybody's John Wick in these movies now they can all shoot everything in the head perfectly like even while they're going down like a zip line or something like that it's wild it's hilarious yeah. it's, it, it's intentional and unintentional it's uh, off the it's, chain, uh, like it, to to put it nicely. Like it literally, like they were. It's like we have a good thing going here. Let's just go with the next thing. But what's what's worse for me is you you literally typed the titles in here, Mike. Resident Evil mm-hmm. Apocalypse, Resident Evil Extinction. They don't do the numbering system. They literally choose a word that means the end of things, right? Oh yeah. And, and I mean, here, so I couldn't tell you which ones two and which ones. If you looked no, at these in a row, you'd have to literally pull up a Wikipedia page to know which yeah. was next. You have to go on IMDb, type in Resident Evil, and look at the release dates because that's what I have been doing. And there is a, not not only is there a huge tonal shift between one and two, there's this wacky time shift between two and three, where in the span between those movies, it's like another movie happened. Like I was literally trying to look it up. I was like, oh, did they do like a comic book or something that connects the plot between two and three? Because there's this huge, massive jump of like, oh, Raccoon City is kind of like nuked. We are supposed to believe that the whole incident was covered up by the Umbrella Corporation and things are going on as usual uh, and humanity is still alive. And then there's just this preamble at the beginning of three where they tell you society has collapsed. The T-virus has uh, touched everything living. Even plants are dying now. Everything's a desert wasteland. And it just makes me think the only way that they could get the production budget to shoot three is if they told them you have to shoot in a desert. So they just wrote a script that made the most sense of why they're shooting in a desert. So, yeah, and... (laughs) I mean, let's not let's not let's say here. None of these connect to each other very very cohesively either. Um, the first one, she's just a person, right, uh, who survived the 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 underground. And two, mm-hmm. she at the end of it. I mean, spoiler alert, folks, you're not gonna. She takes a <laughs> helicopter blade to the chest, right, like, mm-hmm. uh, and somehow survives that. And then the third one, she's got unexplainable psychic powers uh, oh my god yeah i'm working my way through the third one right now uh, she just destroyed her own motorcycle with her mind yep. on accident when she was sleeping there is a ridiculous scene of zombie crows mm-hmm. in the second one that is the one of the dumbest things i've ever seen put to film because you can only take it so seriously watching people run away from birds i understand there is a very iconic scary movie from alfred hitchcock where i'm sure back then people were more scared of birds yeah nobody's scared of birds anymore in a flock no one's scared of bad cgi zombie birds in a flock oh my god it was just hilarious so i will keep everybody updated as i move through this much like the underworld films but it is crazy how similar these movies are like i haven't looked them up on a timeline but I feel like back in the day, these movies were coming out every other year. Like, I get, like one year you could get an Underworld movie, the next year you get a Resident Evil movie. 
They mm-hmm. all have like a. They all do the exact same story mechanic of flashing back to clips from the previous movies, and they even kind of have like a quote unquote like previously on at the beginning of each movie. So. They were really, really treating their audience like a like a bag of hammers. <laughs> well, they, they were treating it like spo- spoon feeding you everything. This is a really bad zombie TV show. We're going to be feeding you instead. Uh, mm-hmm. Is what it feels like. Because I, I mean, I will say, you know, by the third Underworld, which actually was the one where they did a prequel. Resident Evil never did a prequel, thank God. Uh, they just do it in the actual movies while you're moving forward. But I. I've got so many questions as you move forward, and I, I love the text messages I get because I'm like, <laughs> I know exactly where he is right now. I, yeah. I, I it, remember this scene being so bad it's stuck in my mind for decades. Yeah, and it's usually just like ridiculous keywords like zombie crows, mm-hmm. like in all caps, or there's this hilarious plot in the third movie now where this, where the Umbrella scientists are trying to bring zombies back to life but they can't give them back their humanity but they become a quote-unquote docile workforce and it's mm-hmm. just like this is what they did in Shaun of the dead yeah they just turned them into cart corral zombies exactly and and i think it was like one thing i'm like you said something i'm like las vegas right and you're like yes like because yeah i have i haven't gotten to the vegas portion okay. of the third one yet but i know it's supposed to be yeah. in it because of the the movie poster right they have it in the background but once it gets there i mean how do i not directly compare oh, it to Zack oh snyder's army of the dead i forgot completely you'll, you'll know why there's a difference when you get to vegas in this okay. movie <laughs> but I, I i totally forget in the second one i'm like you're gonna get to a part in a church mike and you need to text me when you're in the church oh my god the and- she mila jolovich arrives on scene deus ex machina style on a motorcycle through the stained glass window written as if a 17 year old uh in the av club uh jotted it down on paper yes she lands perfectly does like a 180 jumps off the motorcycle while revving it so the motorcycle in turn rockets at the little slimy monster yep. and and inexplicably inexplicably the monster and the motorcycle Jot, jut up into the air. I'm not even sure the physics yeah. of how. I don't know if there was an altar that propels them both into the air, and then she shoots it with a gun, and of course it explodes. This, and it's like, what am I watching? This is the same creature. Not 15 minutes before, in the end of the first movie, was the big bad of the first movie. Uh, yeah, that so, she had to like destroy. She needed a train to destroy it. Yeah, so so now she's like, oh, I blew it up with with grace and poise uh, to show you how much how far she's moved along in this universe it's so, character development it's yeah. storytelling it's mm-hmm. art yeah oh my gosh anyway wow. okay chris enlighten us about yeah. something a little bit more bright and yeah, childlike yeah, yeah. wonder so we'll move along so uh lego star wars a skywalker saga released this week and uh, I was able to to play some of it. I've, I've beaten uh, two levels. Now, when you get this game, you automatically get access to three of the nine movies. And you can play one, four, or seven. Meaning that you have to start there and unlock the, the next two chapters by playing through that saga, right? So you either play the prequels, the originals, or the sequel trilogies. Um, you can play them. You can actually choose any one of those three. I am actually doing them in order from one through nine is the way I'm going to play it. Uh, so I played Phantom Menace, and I've beaten Attack of the Clones. Uh, and that, now I'm going to move on to Revenge of the Sith. And I will tell you, um, this this game is just absolutely 
so much fun. Uh, t- the the visuals are like photorealistic in the background, but while you're like moving these very hyper realistic Lego characters, one of the cool things is their new um, fighting abilities, like with Jedi and stuff like that, is a lot like is akin to actually. Do you remember the Arkham style, the Arkham games for Batman? Mm-hmm. So you can like chain stuff together. You can press Y to counter attack stuff. Um, it's been really fun. You know, you can throw your lightsaber. That's something you get right out the gate. And then um, there's just over 300 characters to unlock. And I've moved, I've moved my way through this. Uh, the space levels are fun. You know, the end of episode one where you get to fly the Naboo starship to blow up the the uh, the droid control ta- uh, ship. Uh, and episode- Would you... Yeah, go ahead. Qu- qu- does it take, since it's essentially nine movies that you get to play through, um, how long does it take to beat, like, a movie? Do, yeah. Is it kind of equivalent to how long it takes to watch the movie? Yeah, I would say about two hours, two and a half for, for a level. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I never thought about that before because usually when you're turning, like, a video game, a, a movie into a video game, right, you kind of got to stretch it a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you hit, like, major set pieces through the film, but also you add in components between, like, different areas but yeah if you're stacking one whole game with nine movies it would actually be kind of interesting to be like oh you're just playing through the movie yeah i I would imagine they're not adding a whole lot extra because they got plenty of material to mine just straight from the film yeah and and a lot of the levels like so like in episode one when you go to uh most espa right where where he meets anakin for the first time like mm-hmm. that's pretty quick, but like that whole Moss Espa, like there's so many hidden blocks and so much things to do in the Moss Espa, like area marketplace. Like that's like something I need to come back to with more characters with abilities later under free play. Mm. So it's been fun to kind of go through that. One of my favorite levels, um, you actually do the um, pod racing with Legos, which has been really was really fun. And then uh, in the second one, um, you actually get to chase down. Jango Fett and Boba Fett with Obi-Wan through the the asteroid field, right? Like where they're leaving the depth charges, which was really mm-hmm. fun. So I'm really enjoying the ship ones uh, more so than the, the character levels right now. Not that they're bad. They're just like, I'm like, I need to beat these and come back with more characters to unlock more yeah. stuff later. You, you got to let me know when you get to The Last Jedi if there is like a kamikaze-esque gameplay mm-hmm. mechanic. And if they kind of recreate that uh, Ryan Johnson kind of the iconic uh, look. Yeah, with, uh, going to light speed through a destroyer. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta know what that looks like in Lego. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's and it's really they the Lego leans into the humor, the absurdity of it. Um, like the end of episode one where Qui Gon gets stabbed. Technically, in the in the game, you actually you Obi Wan and Qui Gon beat uh, quote unquote beat Darth Maul by cutting him in half. But like it's a Lego, so literally you just pull the top off, right? So the top half of Darth <laughs> yeah. Maul bounces up and stabs Qui Gon through the chest, and then um, Obi Wan just picks up. You know, uh, just ends up kicking it the his like live half down the the shaft kind of thing. It's really really <laughs> funny, um, but yeah, some of them are are longer pieces like the Darth Maul fight. Um, it's not just the doors and then the scene. Like there's more to that level. There's some verticality to it to make it last a little longer because it does skip over some of like the the boring parts of, of some of the things. Like I mean, it, you're really selling it to me. Honestly, I haven't really played a whole lot of Lego video games, but you know, this seems like something that maybe around the time when I get to beating Elden Ring, maybe mm-hmm. this game will probably be on sale. Maybe yeah. I'll be able to pick it up for like 30 bucks or something. Yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. Uh, it skips the entire Naboo love scene with Anakin and Padme in the, the oh, second. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he like I think he, he has a nightmare. Um, like, you know, when he has a nightmare about his mom dying or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, they're sleeping in bunk. Him and Padme are in a bunk bed, and he's on the bottom, and he <laughs> wakes up and hits the top of the bunk bed. Uh, oh, and she's funny. like, he's like, I had a nightmare. And she's like, was there sand? Like, kind of like 
poking at it like the fact that he hates sand um mm-hmm. so it, it was it's really really funny and the voice acting um it's a lot of the, I, th- I believe the clone wars voice actors so if you're familiar with those uh it, it really harkens to that but i'm i'm excited to unlock general grievous i'm very excited to see what a character with four lightsabers does um so that's why i'm kind of working my way through these and then getting to the the later half so I'll, I'll be coming back you know with these as i kind of play through the episodes uh it's local multiplayer two-player as well so if you've got someone who is not a normal like you know my wife's not an elden ring gamer but she likes the lego games uh she's been playing spyro so i'm like you know we can play lego together so a very good couch co-op game mm-hmm. uh for someone else who who enjoys it so really uh, recommend that all right, we have killed half an hour, Mike. Let's jump into our news here. Um, the biggest news this week, Doctor Strange tickets are now on sale everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Um, this literally interrupted my sleep cycle because these dropped at 6 a.m. West Coast time. Yes. And I was like, okay, I'll wake up, you know, kind of earlier, you know, you know, they'll, I'm sure there'll still be tickets left around like, you know, like seven or eight in the morning. And then I just like happened to be up around like 630. And mm-hmm. I was like, my phone's right there. I might as well just get my tickets. And I'm glad yeah. I did because my theater was starting to run out of the seats that I like to get at yeah. West Coast time around like 630 in the morning. I'm like, how are these people awake? I don't usually associate the people that go see Doctor Strange on opening yeah. night with early risers. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Don't, don't underestimate the power of an alarm clock on a very important day. <laughs> um, I, I woke up. I got my – I actually – it was 9 o'clock Eastern, so I was actually already up. And I was not at work that day. I had, had the day off. Um, so I got up early. I watched Moon Knight before uh, I did anything for the day. And then Moon Knight ended with 15 minutes before 9 o'clock. So I just happened to pull up my phone and the tickets were already on sale in the app. So I had like a good half hour over whenever the official email came out from from AMC. So I was very excited to snag um, my favorite seat, my two favorite seats in the theater. I think only two other tickets have been sold. Um, And this is saying something because there have been more tickets for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness purchased than the Batman tickets already. Um, So this is going to be huge. The discourse that the Batman has created is is starting to harken back to like console war eras when your when your friends back in elementary school would argue if Xbox or PlayStation was mm-hmm. better. And I start to see those conversations every once in a while on on the internet where people are just like, "Oh, Marvel fans can't possibly watch a movie without a joke every ten seconds. They they just don't understand the Batman." It's like, who is this? Who is this argument for? I like all of the yeah. movies. The Batman was great, but it, I'm not surprised that something like Doctor Strange would you know yeah. have more like pre sales ready to go. I mean, it's still the MCU. We're continuing a storyline, and this is probably one of the more pivotal movies coming out in that storyline. Uh, if anything's ever followed up, uh, you know, No Way Home. Well, it's going to be yeah. this movie, not Morbius, where they tried to tie tie it into the Spider Verse a little bit. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, this is a Marvel movie. Of course, it's going to sell more than uh, a reboot of Batman. Exactly, and Doctor Strange has gathered such a fan base since his Infinity War appearance, right? Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say if you just had the first Doctor Strange in this, anyone would care. Uh, but due to his appearance in Spider Man and Infinity War, he's really gained a following with his, you know, um, his abilities. Uh, also, um, Sam Raimi returning to comic book movies after Spider-Man uh, trilogy. Uh, huge, I, huge success. 
if I'm doing my napkin math correctly, hasn't Doctor Strange been in five movies now? Been five movie appearances? His uh, own movie. He was in Ragnarok. He was yep. in the uh, Infinity War and Endgame and then Spider-Man. So yep. unless I'm missing something, he's already been in five movies and he only, he's only had one himself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, th- that's about it. Yeah, I mean, and he... People, I don't think... I wouldn't say they sleep on the original Doctor Strange. It's just a different movie at a different time, right? That was the year we had Civil War and then Doctor Strange. It's I, just it it just kind of falls into that origin, you know, yeah. story category where exactly. like, you know, your origin movie is only gonna be so good, right? Yeah. You know, once we left the first phase of phase of Marvel, like the origin stories just you, had less and less punch every time. Now, do you also con- consider what if an appearance? Because it was Benedict Cumberbatch voicing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, if you're if if you're bringing up the topic just to say uh, what is his kind of public perception out there in the world, I think you could count what if because yeah. it's just another appearance and, of the character. And people loved the episode that he had. Or, you know, it was one of the first three, right? dedicated to to yeah. Doctor Strange himself. Mm-hmm. And then um, also with uh, Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch appearing in this, uh, coming off the hit WandaVision last year, I believe that's mm-hmm. also pushing uh, ticket sales for fans of her. Yeah. I would, if I had to make any, um, any wishes of some stuff that I'd see in the movie, I mean, obviously the whole council that mm-hmm. has been teased is going to be a huge moment in the in the kind of just superhero franchise in general because it seems like we're going to possibly be getting some connections from like X-Men yeah. uh, but I would love to see some sort of connection to Loki in some way I don't yeah. have to see Tom Hiddleston but like reference the the chaos that was wrought when they killed um jonathan majors at the end of that has that affected is that why this multiversal stuff is going out of out of whack so hopefully we'll get a little bit of that there was all there's been yeah it's not just the spider-man spell right that that did this it's gotta be uh it's uh, you know it's gotta be wanda you know causing a reality bubble to appear loki doing this the what if stuff everything needs to tie into this otherwise what's the point of them um mm-hmm. I, I, I get it loki's great and it's gonna have a second season but if it, there's no other point to that quote unquote, you know fracturing the one timeline then why even have that in there because it needs to affect the movies and i, I agree with also, you wholeheartedly yeah and also you know we're always thinking like really high level of like what does this mean for the mcu but what is the emotional journey for Strange in this movie, right? Because that's mm. honestly what these big movies are always about, like character. Like in No Way Home, it was all about what is, how does Peter Parker, you know, deal with becoming larger in life and affecting the family and friends around him? And what will he do to fix all of that? Well, he'll sacrifice everything to, to make yeah. the, his loved ones better. Um, but in I'm I'm still curious what is the emotional story yeah. of Doctor Strange. I guess it's kind of the same thing, right? You know, like how Mordo said in his last movie, you know, the bill has now come due. So maybe it's now Doctor Strange has all of this untapped, unlimited power that's gone unchecked. So now he finally has mm. to deal with and, what that is. Yeah, I think also, you know, it, Multiverse of Madness, we have the idea of crossing multiverses and the danger of that. Uh, but also, is the Scarlet Witch, you know, is she a hero? Is she a villain in this? The, the trailers have kind of leaned, teased both ways, possibly. Uh, and mm-hmm. again, trailers always have stuff we know that will never make the movie. Look at the entire Morbius trailers um, for recent memory. So, <laughs> you know, is is the idea her chaos magic affecting this world as well? Like, is, does he ha- what does he have to, 
heroes have to give up something what is he gonna have to give up to possibly quell chaos magic at the end of the day is one one possibility yeah. here i'm curious also if we'll have any of those like small moments like where we'll see like a monitor or a book or a scroll like in the background that maybe references the ten rings, mm-hmm. or maybe it ref- or maybe we see like Anubis or like a pyramid or something in the background, right? You know, we'll talk a little bit about Moon Knight at the end of the episode here, but you know, Moon Knight seems to be essentially magic or sorcery in some way. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the unexplained other side of you know existence, right? So I feel like Doctor Strange could you know kind of do yeah. like a little point nod wink to that yeah and this i mean this this is going to be huge there's a lot at stake here and you know um not just because you know we have dr strange and scarlet witch and sam raimi there's just so much happening here uh that we don't know and i'm, I'm very excited to see what cool things can they, that we always love talking about the easter eggs mike that's our biggest that's our, that's our most fun part of all the uh the reviews we do like what what, did we, what how does this connect and i'm excited to talk about those this movie is also estimated to make 205 million dollars opening weekend and uh, you might be saying now uh, what, what is that uh well morbius did 40 million uh so this would be <laughs> what five times morbius uh money uh easily so i think it'll be more um but you know what i did notice is there's no 3d sales going for this did you see that in your theaters I didn't when see. when i was booking my theater there was at least a dozen 2d show times and like three yeah show times for 3d so this is really starting to show the decline of 3d viewings yeah yeah exactly so when they talk about inflated money like you won't have to worry about like oh this is all because of 3d um mm-hmm. ticket sales so but um I'm, I'm excited this is we are less than four weeks away from watching this um uh i'm just i'm just so excited mike very excited uh, uh, along the way, you know, we they, I know James Gunn is working on Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, however, right now, um, you can get ready for the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind ride at Disney World. This is, I believe, one of the first Marvel rides at Disney World um, to date. Most of them are in Disneyland in California, and the other ones are uh, at Universal in Florida. Uh, did I say California? I meant Disneyland in California. Universal in Florida. Um, so the first preview was kind of given here. Uh, what we noticed is that, you know, this is not the main actors voicing this mm-hmm. or acting in this, but it appears to be a fun ride of like, you know, possibly rewinding time. It are, already has a pretty good soundtrack, right? That, that the little mm-hmm. uh, jam going on there. Um, I'm, I'm excited uh, for to go to Disney world, to give this a try when it, when it drops this summer. Yeah. We are trying to decide if this promo is just trying to save some cash and couldn't quite get Bradley Cooper on the horn because it heavily features the voice of Rocket. Uh, because the ride out here in uh, California in Disneyland has the original uh, cast uh, visually and through the voice, I believe. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Because there's a pre-board for the Guardians ride out here where there is like an animatronic rocket that's up on the ceiling that talks to you. But I, I just don't remember the voice. I feel like it could have been Bradley Cooper. But if it wasn't, either way, the story behind uh, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy in Florida is just really funny to me, right? It's just like it's like uh, the corporate loophole, right? Yeah. We gave all of these other characters the universal on this like basically indefinite contract that we can't really undo. So now we're just going to use other characters that they don't have the rights for. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're seeing Guardians, which I just yeah. think is it's creative, but also kind of funny. But I, I, it I seems know. to be a roller coaster, right? Yes. Like, is this supposed to be like Space Mountain style, like inside of a dark room? Or is this like an outdoor type of it roller coaster? Says, I'm not sure. It says it's a family thrill coaster. 
which means um, it's probably I would say a, more akin to a maybe um, what's that the the test track than than um, maybe oh, maybe I, I I don't know if they consider um, the what, what was the first one you said the indoor one um, yeah yeah because a family coaster. It, you don't really get a whole lot of what the ride is in this little preview, right? But yeah. it seems to be very visual heavy. There's, there's a pod. There, the pods, I believe, make it into the end of it, like that you're going to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they seem to be visually put in space. So, yeah, yeah I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it was whatever it is. I'm sure it's going to be yeah. hopefully top notch. I just know the other big thing about this one is it actually twists, turns, and blasts. So, like the seat, the pod actually rotates around as you move and like at some parts you go backwards hence the rewind part because you're traveling through time um mm. i know glenn close filmed some scenes for this it has to do with the the nova core and there's an adult group here so i believe this is set in a before guardians one even i don't yeah, know maybe so um it's very interesting to take a look at that. but i don't know until it opens uh, I, I probably expect to follow this one pretty closely uh and you know maybe plan my trip to disney world around it if i can uh, tomorrow is possibly the day we get the Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Wow. I believe this is now holds a record for the least amount of time between trailer and movie release in Marvel history. Um, I guess it goes to show you just how much goes on in the world. Because a couple weeks ago, I said, why are people freaking out? This movie's got plenty of time. Yeah. But I think I was still under the assumption that this was a November movie. Because I'm yeah. so used to seeing associating Thor with November in yep. my mind so i just had no idea that it was <laughs> this in the middle of the year yep so uh apologies <laughs> to anybody out there who's yeah. dropping at the bit trying to get this movie trailer well, but i mean fine. pleasant it's... surprise for me that i could wake up tomorrow with a trailer yeah i think it's fine i think i think i think it, it, it's fine this less because we, they have to sell dr strange tickets first right mm-hmm. um my spider-man no way home blu-ray comes in the mail tomorrow um so i'm excited for that um the the press tour photo means they were filming this stuff probably last week, so they have to have like a week to edit it right um, before it comes out. So I guarantee you, a trailer will drop, the interviews and everything will drop. I'm I'm gonna sing. What do you think? Poster first tomorrow around nine ten a.m. Eastern, then the trailer by noon, lunchtime here. So you'll wake yeah, up to a and- trailer. Unless they associate the trailer drop with, like, uh, Jimmy Kimmel or something, then we'd get it much later. Uh, this just could be a trend overall in general, and maybe it has nothing to do with COVID. Because I know this isn't a streaming movie, but all of the streamers basically are advertising their content weeks before it comes out. You'll learn about a streaming movie or TV show, and then two weeks later you'll be able to watch it. Mm-hmm. So is this indicative of, like, are there, like, marketing, uh, uh, you know— just psychologists out there or uh that are figuring out like oh the attention spans with all of this media out there is getting shorter and shorter it's, you got to shorten your window to really get your your impact yeah. you know i, that, I don't that, that could be it it could be I, I i also think it's overlap between thor love and thunder doctor strange and moon knight a uh, moon knight doctor strange are literally hitting each other at the same time that this they just like look let's just not let's not overlap let's let this stuff breathe a little bit because we will sell thor love and thunder tickets we don't need to tell people a year mm-hmm. in advance, right? Um, and and one of the, the the cool things is that there's a new banner that came out showing Chris Hemsworth and his Thor. He's back to the long hair, uh, got a cool blue and gold outfit. We've looked at this several times, and then Natalie Portman as uh, the Mighty Thor, as some toys have recently called her, with a reconstituted Mjolnir hammer. Um, so um, there's a lot a lot yeah, going I, on that we don't know about. I'm loving it. 
Yeah. At the end of uh, uh, Endgame, did Cap take the take Mjolnir back yes. to where it belonged? Okay, I couldn't yep. remember. And, and you can so, look, you can look at this hammer very closely and see the cracks. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious if like because we saw the hammer explode like in that open kind of cliff field area, right? That's yep. where she blew it up. Yep. So maybe we'll have like a little bit of a scene where since I, didn't they pretty much go back to that locale? And they made that kind of like second new Asgard, right? It so, should be close to there. I, I believe that's also where Odin died. I wouldn't be surprised to have like some sort of monument set up there to, yeah. to Odin and such. Yeah, I maybe like I could envision like a little scene where like um, maybe like a blacksmith or something like wanders out in the field and like picking up every piece and like put it back together. That that could be fun. Yeah, and and the whole movie again again uh, Christian Bale returning to a superhero role. Uh, as a villain is Gore, the God Butcher. I'm going to throw out a little theory here, Mike. Uh, okay. Lay it on me. What if Gore is something in Moon Knight because Moon Knight's dealing with Egyptian gods and he might show up maybe at the end? Um, oh, may- maybe. Or he's had maybe, some uh, run-ins with the, the, the earthly gods before this? <laughs> it, it would be interesting for the MCU. Like, you know, somebody's going to have to put their foot down and start ranking gods, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are gods that exist kind of on the earthly plane kind of lower tier gods compared yeah. to, like, these kind of, like, cosmic celestials and stuff like that? Uh, that would be kind of funny, like, to see, yeah. like, a list, right? Well, as as uh, Captain America said in Avengers 1, there's only one god, ma'am, and he doesn't dress like that. Uh, <laughs> when he saw Thor for the first time. So, yeah, there's Thor, there's Celestials. You know, um, all, all sorts of stuff out there. Uh, you know, the Black Panther God, right? That's a that's a Panther God. Moon Knight's dealing with uh, Egyptian gods. There's yeah plenty of options. Um, the comic books have dealt with this for years. There are rankings of these deities in in the comic books already. But I'm, I'd be interested to see what they do with the MCU. Um, end of the day, please, please let us have a Thor trailer tomorrow. That would make 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 me so happy on a Monday. So uh, we'll be saying next week if we're right or wrong. So um, knock on wood. The Echo series uh, seems to be fueling the return of Daredevil and Kingpin um, to the MCU. Now, um, I I think we're well out of spoiler territory for Hawkeye and Spider-Man. But both Uh of these characters have shown up in Hawkeye and Spider-Man. Uh, so is Echo like I play not just on the character Echo, but Daredevil's Echo location, you know, technique for, to see stuff? Maybe. Or if you want to go even more elaborate, you know, an Echo to a previous series that yes. has already existed. Exactly. Right. I, I think I'm kind of on the record with uh, the finale of Hawkeye that I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the addition of Kingpin to the show. I, I feel like it didn't add much for me. Vincent D'Onofrio is always great, right? I'm not saying he can't be put in something and be amazing. Right. Uh, I, I just I didn't it, personally enjoy the addition. It, it, well, I think it's, it's one thing to use him. It, it felt more like um, just a, a throwaway nod to the Daredevil show more than an actual, like, he earned his stay here in the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. Because it just felt like, oh, we already know him from the the thing. This is just for fan service, rather than yeah. you know the kingpin who earned his way through the Daredevil show. Uh, to yeah, be who it kind of feels like when you're watching like um, like an animated version of uh, of a cartoon show for Marvel, right? Let's say you're like watching any one of the many of Spider-Man shows, right? And then all of a sudden, sudden like Wolverine pops up or something. Like it's cool mm-hmm. to see Wolverine, right? But like. 
We've yeah. gotten no backstory. He's just popping up for an episode, right? Yeah. So they could show him in the commercials for Saturday morning, exactly. right? It, uh, it, that's kind of what it felt like. We didn't really yeah. earn that kingpin. Exactly. And he only fought Kate Bishop rather than actual Hawkeye as well, right? Which I would have loved to see a Hawkeye kingpin fight than a than a Kate Hawk, uh, kingpin fight, right? I feel like also, that feels like, more earned. And I loved, I loved Kate. Kate Bishop was the best thing, in my opinion, I think, about the Hawkeye uh, series, at least now with my kind of. Uh, oh, you, you of love the, Yelena. The you love Yelena and you know. Oh, it. yeah. She was, she was, she was like, she kind of also felt a little bit more like a cameo, though. Uh, but it was a great cameo. Yeah, she, she had uh, that extended. She had like two or three episodes, though. Mm-hmm. And then, that. like, Kingpin, like, weirdly had, like, unexplained powers mm-hmm. that we, we, like, you know how do you how do you square the kind of superhuman strength that he's given in the comic books that wouldn't translate realistically to a movie? Yeah. So I don't know, but it would make sense. I had the theory at the end of Hawkeye that Echo was you know brought down you know at least temporarily by Daredevil in that alleyway scene that we didn't get to see. Right? Uh, I think you yeah. had a different theory, so we'll see how that. Yeah, pans I, out. I I think I think she fired the guns, making him deaf, uh, not killing Kingpin, but. Uh, either way, it, you know, the Echo show, um, I, I don't think Echo really stood out in this show as a whole, uh, sadly. I think she's great, great actress, great character, but I to get her own show is going to be weird. But to bring in Daredevil, Kingpin, and her into this feels like a, a good transition for these characters, right? To finally make them earn their way through this or explain some of the stuff rather than just giving them like, oh, you had a new Daredevil show right out the gate. Yeah. So. I mean, also, not to be rude, but since Echo didn't really get a whole lot in you know the hawkeye series i don't think enough people truly fell in love with her character yeah. so how do you get people to watch her own standalone show yeah. you throw daredevil and kingpin in it so yeah. you can put them in the trailer and, that's how you get people to watch and, it and you've got a history with kingpin already so that's great it's a, and, and daredevil had a, a little cameo so there's opportunity here that i don't i don't hate the thought of so um we'll keep you guys posted hopefully we'll get some more information for that show this year because i they should be filming um now or soon Probably soon. Miss Marvel. Oh, making records here, Mike. You might love this. You might hate this. I don't know. The upcoming show on Disney Plus uh, is the first MCU property to ever be rated PG instead of PG-13. PG. I wonder what the delineation is there, really. So she is a teenager. So, I mean, no one really ever truly swears in the MCU. They might get a couple, like, dams. Or maybe yeah. son of a bitches out there, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but you can you know you could easily remove the swearing from it, right? Yep. To kind of get down to PG. If she's kind of using these spectral kind of punching powers, you yep. know, you can avoid like a lot of blood. Even though we don't really get a whole lot of blood in the MCU. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, what makes the MCU even PG-13? I guess it's got to be the violence that's doing it. Yeah. And I guess if you're looking at the Eternals, there is a semblance of a sexual scene. I, I don't think anyone's expecting Miss Marvel to a uh, high school girl to mix it up mm-hmm. with anybody like that. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine a lot went into it making it PG-13. I'm well, curious if it just ended up like that. You know, they're like, just make a story that, you know, honestly tells Miss Marvel's story. And then after they kind of like broke the broke the season out, they were just like, oh, interesting. This this is going to kind of end up being PG. Yeah, because it's, well, it's interesting because there's um, TV has different ratings than movies. Um, mm-hmm. There's TV PG and TV 14. Uh, and the only difference I've, I've looked this up here is programs assigned PG rating may include infrequent course language 
some sexual content, some suggested dialogue, or moderate violence. Where TV-14 has intense su- suggestive dialogue, strong coarse language, and intense sexual situations oh. or intense violence. So I see. So we, ha- we have to attribute this more to the TV ratings and not to the movie ratings. Yeah, because there's TVMA, which would be very close to our rated R kind of stuff. Yeah, TVMA would be like Daredevil yeah. and The Punisher. Yeah. Uh, TV-14, I would you know probably closer to like um you know the marvel stuff that we've been seeing stream right now because there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of violence and that stuff and you know yeah so i i think tv pg rating for a a a show with someone i think our youngest character thus far right i think even younger than spider-man was when he was introduced um but he was introduced in violent movies um it's 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 fine this doesn't i don't think affects the show at all but um, and wife. also, it, it could be on an episode basis, too. Maybe yeah. some of these more intense episodes toward the end of the season increased to yeah. PG-14 could be a possibility. Yeah. It, it, well, it's very exciting. My wife um, can talk about P- – she's a fifth-grade teacher – can talk about PG-13 or TV-14 so with her t- kids, you know, if they watch them outside of the school. But she can actually now show Miss Marvel in the school system because it's PG, meaning anyone – um, oh yeah, I so, sense a pizza party with Miss Marvel in the oh, class's yeah. future. Yeah, I, well, that's what I'm pushing for. I'm like, uh, I'm like, <laughs> what, what can we do? How can we, how can we get Marvel in the school systems a little more? So, um, so she was very excited to hear that it was a PG-rated show that she can actually show um, when she gets back to fall because this is coming out in the summer. So, um, cool. Good. If anyone's uh, watching for their kids, that, that's good to know too. Disney Plus is doing something weird. This is not really in our normal wheelhouse, but I think it'll affect us down the road. They're moving their Dancing with the Stars, a live-action series, to Disney Plus for live-action streaming this fall uh, from the channel ABC. Um, So this isn't – the content's not being mirrored. This isn't like SNL that, like, shows up the next day, like, on uh, Hulu or Peacock. This is – we're taking it off of ABC entirely? Yes, and it will be streaming live – on uh disney plus weirdly enough yeah. Uh, yeah i mean that's that's a that's a bold move right i mean i've seen a lot of streaming services are trying to kind of court people with you know sports live sports games uh i know apple and their last keynote they had like a big announcement about like baseball um but yeah this is this is a big deal right i don't think a lot of people yet still associate like a streaming app with live television yeah well i kind of do paramount plus has a live uh, feature um um, i don't know if you had that on your your version um but uh i can watch live tv on on paramount hulu is uh known for having a live component right Uh, if you pay action for it yeah Mm -hmm. um but disney plus i never thought we'd get live content i always thought like it would get scripted content or like a full service kind of thing uh, so what's interesting to me is, is this the step for Disney plus to start promoting live streaming? Meaning if this works on Disney plus, we're integrating Hulu into Disney plus very quickly. Uh, maybe, or, or even, I mean, I know this isn't quite live, but you know, think about like YouTube videos, how you can debut them instead yeah. of just uploading them. Like I would love to like, you know, have a little bit more kind of cultural zeitgeist around some of these premium streaming shows, right? Like it seems like all of the conversation and hot takes are already ready to go by the time I wake up. 
you know, because this dropped at like midnight, mm-hmm. I would still love for these shows to like drop at a more normal hour so I can kind of see it trending on Twitter, joining in the conversation, yeah. see what people are saying. And, and, so, and when yeah. I say live, I apologize. This is pre-recorded content, just debuted mm-hmm. live um, on Disney Plus. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not. Uh, I don't think Dancing with the Stars streams live, right? I think it's it's pre-recorded, like similar to the Bachelor, those movies that yeah. are supposed to be. Yeah, maybe they're just using this as a testing ground of like what happens when a lot of people hit our app yeah. at the same time, right? Yeah. You know, it could be a strategy thing to drop, you know, like a Star Wars or a Marvel thing at midnight because you're not getting a huge rush all at once. People kind of mm-hmm. come to it throughout the day when they have time. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe their server, like I'm sure Disney has great servers. They brought a, they bought an entire streaming company so they could build their architect yeah. architecture for their streaming service on top of it. Uh, but even the best servers can't always handle like a, a mass uh, load people running at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm excited to kind of see uh, what this looks like. What time do they play it? Stuff like that. ABC uh, is not in trouble. If anyone's curious, they literally um, got a new contract with Monday Night Football, uh, so they have to show two games instead on Mondays, which where Dancing with the Stars would normally be. So. Um, Football is uh, definitely going to be a live streamed over the air kind of thing for a while and Dancing with the Stars. Moving to a streaming service is, I think, again, very much a, a step towards, uh, in a, in, I think, Hulu integration. I think it's we're a couple of years away from just one app to do uh, Disney Plus and Hulu for one, hopefully one low bundled price. <laughs> uh, the Ahsoka show, Mike, I sent this to you actually uh, before the show, and I, and I don't normally do that with some of these show notes, but this was very interesting. Uh, they have tapped uh, an Oscar-winning director the co-director of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, actually, Peter Ramsey, to direct at least one episode of Ahsoka, the TV series. Um, yeah, I, th- I great. think this is great. I'm curious if this is um, if this is uh, a strategic move from Dave Filoni because the animation industry is very tight-knit, and I'm sure they know each other. I think they're in kind of comparable ages, right? So they would be kind of like peers, uh, so I, I love this trend though, right? Because, uh, we've seen a similar trend in the past, right? Of bringing on like horror directors, right? Mm-hmm. People that are used to kind of small budgets, uh, being scrappy and then kind of giving these larger budgets, you know, and making these big movies. And honestly, with as much visual effects and like pre-production now that goes into these live action series, hiring an animation director who is familiar with that is great you know they're already used and familiar to like a pipeline yeah. uh they understand that probably a lot of these sequences are already getting storyboarded right because you know in live action you don't always have to storyboard well, everything that you do depending on the it, director that's well, when you look at peter ramsey he actually storyboarded a shit ton of live action movies uh, mm-hmm. uh from predator 2 uh the original mortal Kombat, men in black independence day fight club uh minority report even like this guy has most of his history is in storyboard artists before moving into second unit directing and then eventually directing, um, which yeah. is, is fantastic. I think he's, yeah. he's got a, a rich history. Like you said, that, you know, kind of like Dave Filoni, right? Started in animation, moved to live action. This guy's doing the same thing along yeah. the way. And it's great to see these kind of like invisible walls in Hollywood come down. Right. Like kind of one of the first walls we saw was 
big celebrities doing TV series, right? When we entered the golden age of television, like, oh, I can do a TV show and I don't have to go out in location and shoot for three months. I can like stay home and travel to a studio and make a lot of money. Uh, So it's not taboo for a big celebrity to be in movies anymore. We can get like animation directors switching over to live action. So I think that's great. You, and, you know, you tap the talent whatever yeah. wherever it exists, right? And I, I admit, I my my ignorance here. I always assumed Phil Lord and Chris Miller were the directors of Into the Spider Verse. They're not. They are literally just the screenplay writers for this and uh, producers. Yeah. Uh, Bob Perchetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman actually three directors directed this movie. Uh, yeah, and and, and I, th- I I should give them more credit across the board. Yeah, but also I think that goes into like the big uh, the big thing about animation is it's this huge collaborative effort. So I, I'm sure you know the co-directors were the boots on the ground every day, making sure shots get done and you know analyzing everything. And I'm sure Filler and Chris Miller they were like the type of creative producers, right? That were heavily involved, you know, uh, looking at the scripts, you know, uh, finalizing like art direction and everything like that. So I still think it is kind of holistically their movie. Yeah. Uh, but you know they hired really good people, obviously, to direct their film because now they're moving on to do live action stuff for Star. Yeah. Wars, I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. I just, I just want to make sure, like you said, like it's, it's a collaborative effort. And while we give them a lot of, a lot of, uh, praise for it, that there are a lot more people on the ground running these things than, than we think of at the time. And, um, yeah, that's good for him. Awesome. Uh, the other star Wars bit of news we have this week is star Wars celebration starting to do some panel announcements. That's coming up. It's around the corner. Uh, and the first thing here is, uh, Mike's written this on his calendar. I guarantee it. The Andor trailer is rumored to debut. Um, we, it's coming, we're going to get it. Hopefully this trailer can maybe turn our minds around a little bit, right? We've been proven wrong by, uh, trailers in the past. So, uh, the Andor trailer, hopefully they, they give us something that's interesting to watch that draws us into a prequel series of a character we already know the fate of. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, it's been on my mind a little bit lately, the Bad Batch season two panel. Um, Bad Batch season one uh, debuted last summer. We've not heard anything for season two yet. Um, I know they're probably got their heads down animating this stuff, but I, I want to know what's going on. I, I got to, I got to know what my, my Bad Batch dudes are up to. So I expect something from that. But I think the big thing here is uh, the, the rumor slash news, whatever this falls under is that Jew law has now been a leading role in an upcoming star Wars streaming service, presumably the high Republic era show for this. So, um, Jude Law, probably one of the best parts of the Fantastic Beast series. He was in Captain Marvel as uh, as the villain. Uh, he he's all over the place here. I think he's getting um, work. He's the he's the young Pope. Yeah. Uh, on HBO, I, I don't know. I've never watched the show. I just uh, it's just really funny because he's supposed to be like a young sexy Pope, and I just think that's hilarious. Uh, but Jude Law out there getting work. Good for him. Great actor. Uh, yeah. The High Republic. Waiting to see. Something like that in live action to well, see what the hell it ends up looking like. <laughs> it was funny because if you look at Jude Law in uh, his, you know, um, Dumbledore attire, he looks like uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, right? If you put like a cloak on him, he like easily be a Jedi, uh, like in this. So, yeah. do you see him and as a villain I, or as, a, as an early Jedi? I mean, and I feel like Jude Law kind of has like that higher class, upper crust kind of aura to him in uh-huh. general. And when I think of the High Republic, I don't know much about it, but isn't it kind of like that kind of peacetime in the galaxy a little yeah. bit before shit really got crazy and there it's, was a lot more 
societal like, structure. Well, like, it was like, I wouldn't I would say it was like two thousand years before the episode one. So like the Jedi are out, you know, doing good things in the galaxy. They're not war people. They're not the they're, yeah. They're out it, trying to to explore and, and do more stuff rather than yeah lead the armies. I think I think regal is the word I'm looking yeah. for. Like it seems like a more of a regal time. So they're bringing in a regal actor. Yeah, it, exactly. I mean he he's got a uh, a huge uh, history. Of, of film across it but i mean i i could totally see him being a, a jedi of that era easily um po- possibly even like an arrogant kind of jedi like i'm on the council and you know i'm but like i more than a bad guy because he, he kind of was the bad guy in captain marvel right like as mm-hmm. yon rog so I'd, I'd like to see him swing the other way uh for this but i mean star wars celebration always gonna be huge um my my guess is i i do you think we'll see any ahsoka footage i mean that's kind of like the next big show for me right other than the mandalorian which we we know is coming um well we we i think we're still really hoping for more follow-up right from a couple years ago when we saw that big disney plus and they announced a thousand disney plus uh star wars Mm -hmm. things right so any sort of follow-up to that would be satisfying yeah especially the movie uh the um the uh what's her name the wonder woman director movie after the uh and absolutely tragedy that 84 was um am, am i Patty totally Jenkins. misremembering this but is taika watiti working on a star wars movie yep he's got a movie that's untitled uh, that's what i yeah. th- oh, man there's just there's been so much in the movie space yeah you can't keep track of it. it and and it's just it's just all radio silence from star wars right until they're like their celebration panels so um maybe we'll get a good disney uh plus day or, or disney uh day. is it d23 year um for panels yeah that'll be like in september i believe okay so yeah maybe we'll get some stuff around then um because i think that was when they did the last stuff so very very excited for more star wars celebration around the corner aqualad are you familiar with aqualad i think he was in a couple animated yeah shows, right? i mean he's kind of one of the main characters in the young justice animated yeah. series he's kind of like the one of the anchors so they're looking to do a live action origin story on hbo max for him um, with right. Charlie's there and producing, like brought to you by her, like very involved in this. Um, they're looking for like a one hour comedy based show based on the graphic novel, which is his origin of you brought me the ocean. I don't know if you're familiar with this one or not. Um, the biggest thing here that's probably going to draw a lot more headlines than it should is Aqualad is one of the uh, openly gay superheroes in the DC pantheon. Uh, shouldn't affect who he is. Uh, he is also not the son of, uh, Aquaman, right? I believe he, he's in somebody else who developed abilities over time. So, um, yeah, I'm, I this is interesting. I didn't expect an Aqualad series to kind of come out of the works there. Um, yeah, I wonder if this ties into the kind of Atlantean world that they've already created in, uh, you know, Jason Momoa's series, or is this yeah. supposed to be like a separate universe? Like, since it's technically called the worlds of, uh, DC, uh, like, like I said before, like I'm always interested in how you visually portray 
uh, underwater scenes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe this show will have a, you know, an opportunity to do something visually a little bit different, which could be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I'm down for this. This does kind of seem like a strategy that HBO Max has been doing, right? Like the second that they have anything that's going well, like on the cinema side of things, Mm -hmm. let's spin this off into a thousand HBO Max things. So uh, this seems par for the course for their strategy. That is right. Uh, What what series do we have with an actor who isn't canceled yet? Uh, uh, (laughs) Aquaman? Well... There's the Amber Heard thing, but that's a whole different story. But uh, sure, let's do Aqualad. Uh, I believe also in the in the maybe it was in the comics, maybe it was in the the show. It's it, you couldn't find out that he's actually the son of Black Manta. Is that is that correct? Uh, I don't show? quite remember. Um, so, actually, I think that might be something that pops up in yeah. Young Justice. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, he might yeah. be. Yeah. So um, yeah, anyway, great. I, I it, it sounds like it could be if they do his origin where he's like in New Mexico, it's going to be very dry, a whole lot of water. But, you know, um, if they go down that road, they have the water flowing hair effects from Aquaman to, to throw into this. So uh, Aqualad series coming to HBO Max down the road. The Flash. Good Lord. Ooh, we we go. talked we talked a little go. bit about this last <laughs> week, but Warner Brothers may or may not have hit pause literally on all Ezra Miller projects going forward. This is uh, what happens when you double down on one actor a little bit too much. Yeah, and this <laughs> you got is, one. Po- it's one point of failure for like two franchises right now. Exactly, and he, so he is in the the Fantastic Beast franchise. So he will be a main character in the upcoming um, Fantastic Beast and the Secrets of Dumbledore. But they've recast uh, what's his name Grindelwald like three times. So you know, might as well recast uh, what's I forget what this character's name even is in that. Um, is it like Cre- Credence? I believe credence. credence yeah i think so um but he's technically i don't think he's technically credence after the second one yeah, I think he gets like a new name like a secret dumbledore kid or something like that yeah. like his brother and then um of course he's flash and he's playing double flash in the upcoming flash so he has uh, recently been arrested in hawaii uh for some disorderly conduct he was bailed out by this couple he was staying with who then he filed a restraining order against him because he threatened to kill them uh so oh my god yeah i yeah this, this guy, is kind of this is almost like Hollywood nostalgia, right? Like, this is what actors used to do before, you know, all of, like, things like sexual assault allegations or racism or, like, you know, homophobia was, like, you know, the new vogue for bad things that they did. This almost seems like child's play in a way, even though it's bad, right? You definitely should not be doing these things to people, but it's just weird. Usually you expect the worst headlines nowadays, right, for really, really bad things. But I feel like an actor, like, you know, causing a scene yeah. at a bar is kind of like, I, don't they do that all the time? But uh, they just, like, usually pay the people off so it doesn't hit the page six, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so as, as a, a young, uh, you know, kind of not child actor coming to, to fruition, you get one of two choices. You either get a nice, uh, orderly Timothy Chalamet uh, <laughs> or you get Ezra Miller. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I don't think this will cause any problems for the Flash, but they have it now. At the end of Flash, if he travels through time enough, maybe the Flash that comes out the other side is a different actor if yeah. they need him to. But also, I would say this is more indicative of what's the long-term plans for Ezra Miller at Warner Brothers. Yeah, like you yeah. bring up, like, is this is this dude just too much of a hassle to work with? We don't like the headlines. Like maybe even behind the scenes, maybe he's just not the most professional on set. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he could have an issue with uh, drinking if this was happening at a bar. You know, did he have one too many on a? Is this a one-time thing or is this a common occurrence? 
So this could just kind of be more of like the like the first clue of like, oh wow, were they really they're not making they they killed his character off in the next like Fantastic Beast movie that you know why would they do that? So who who knows? But uh, yeah, I feel like we've seen worse from celebrities and they still continue to work sadly yeah and then was it last year two years ago he choked out a fan as well like this guy's Mm -hmm. got it's not just a one-time event uh he's got a history of being kind of uh weird and Mm -hmm. unruly so um we'll we'll see what happens here if they did or did not hit pause i don't know he's still a a money-making uh kind of dude um but we'll we'll let you know more later Umbrella Academy. Um, this has been a, a topic I've seen in some circles here. Uh, uh, Elliot Page, previously Ellen Page, played a character, a uh, sister in the Umbrella Academy. Um, with the uh, transition from Ellen Page to Elliot Page, he uh, the the question is: Has he become? Will he be? Will they continue to play um, what Vanya, or will they move to a new character? Well, confirmation from Umbrella Academy: Vanya will become Victor uh, Hargreaves in the upcoming season three of umbrella academy so they've worked this transition into the show which is great good for them uh and go ahead i was gonna say not too surprising i was actually on gerard way's uh wikipedia page the other day the uh front man for my chemical romance and the writer and creator of the umbrella academy comic book series he's also a producer on the show so i'm sure he's creatively involved as well uh, but he has like he has nothing but like support and compassion for the uh, trans community. Like I was reading some quotes on his Wikipedia page about it. So after reading that, going to that, like, oh yeah, it's no surprise that like they would be all about mm-hmm. incorporating this into the plot. And the show has always been kind of really progressive about just identity in general, whether yeah. it's like superpower related or or just whatever when it comes to like family, but. Uh, the I think honestly, like you know, it's great that they're doing this, but the craziest thing about this link is that there's a cube yeah. of meat <laughs> yes. next to it. <laughs> so, so Vanya has always been number seven, right? Uh, in mm-hmm. the in the the Umbrella Academy. In the new season, they come back to the future, and there's a Sparrow Academy with their counterparts. So their counterparts, mm-hmm. their number seven is actually Christopher Hargreaves, uh, who is a telekinetic cube of unknown origin. So <laughs> it like it looks like flesh according to this screenshot. Yeah. It, well, yeah, I see. It looks like blood, flesh, ne- necrotic rot, even around the corners. And I pulled mm. a little thing. Like he can turn the room freezing cold and induce paralyzing fear. He acts as a sparrow's consulted oracle who hands out incredible advice and serves as a family mediator. Uh, trustworthy, loyal, and is treated by the sparrows like any other sibling. Christopher is a force to be reckoned with. Now, is he one of the kids with powers? Is this their replacement for? Um, I forget the uh, the the uh, monkey's name. Monkey? Yeah, uh, I don't remember either. Uh, it's, it's, I feel bad. Uh, so is that is this their version of him? It, when you see the shadow at the end of, of season two, you see a floating cube. So uh, very interesting to see what um, this this looks like and, and what this parallel is. Umbrella Academy for me is probably the biggest question mark because it's now based on a book that isn't written by Gerard Way yet. Um, right, Gerard Way. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Sparrow Academy uh, is is not even out. So they've got a lot of um, wiggle room here to surprise us with stuff, and I'm I'm very excited to kind of see. It. Also, like I feel like since uh, I don't usually typically rewatch kind of like streaming series, uh, it's been a while since I've kind of interacted with Umbrella Academy. But yeah, you do forget like, oh yeah, it's weird. They put weird stuff in there, and it's really fun, right? Because just the uh, the source material has like a 
crazy off the wall stuff. So seeing a meat cue, it's just like, oh yeah, this is great. I love it when they do weird stuff like this. So I'm I'm pro oh, meat yeah. cube. Pro, uh, yeah, exactly. And I think this um you know uh, it's always comparable to the uh, boys because they came out at the same time. You know, competing streaming services. Very both very good, very fun to watch. It's just this feels a little more like oh this who knows what the hell is going to happen and this, these characters have so many weird abilities mm-hmm. uh and the boys i feel is a little more predictable because it's more like a superhero um kind of skewering or, yeah. or, or differentiation so i'm very very excited and, for this. and i think sometimes people forget about the the viewing juggernaut that umbrella academy is you yeah. know most people kind of are associating like you know bridgerton's or uh you know stranger Same things thing. which are all really good but like umbrella academy that's it's a big hit like yeah if you are the creator, if you're a person that works on Umbrella Academy, it's kind of one of those things where I feel like you could walk into Netflix headquarters anytime and, you know, you get pampered from head yeah. to toe before you leave, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's coming out, uh, I believe, early June. Uh, so just a couple couple months away for us to watch this. So uh, we'll, we'll keep you guys posted if more comes out about it. All right, so it's the end of the episode. The end of the episode is where we like to discuss uh, streaming shows, if applicable. And this week, we're going to talk about Moon Knight, episode two. So if you've not seen it, you can tune out here. You're not missing any other news. Uh, come back and listen to this later. If you have seen it, stay tuned. We're going to talk about Moon Knight. Full spoilers, full discussion ahead. So uh, if you uh, don't want to be ruined, get out of here. If not, we'll, um, we're going to jump into it right now, Mike. So episode yeah. two, Moon Knight dropped just... this week. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and jump forward. I'm so glad that you put this Easter egg in here. I saw that QR code on his storage room door, yes. and like I was into the episode, so I didn't want to pause it, but I was like, oh, I bet I can just scan that from my phone because QR codes have weirdly enough come back around in society because now they're suddenly useful. So what's behind this QR code? So you actually, in episode one, there's a QR code for a werewolf by night, I believe number 32. And in this one is werewolf by night number 33, both the first and second appearance of Moon Knight. Uh, so it will take you to Marvel Comics uh, online reader where you can read these comics for free. Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so this one was, the first one is not as, as blatant. It's in the museum uh, when he's talking to the little girl about the artifacts. This one mm-hmm. is very blatant. Like you can't miss this QR code. This one I saw it. I'm like, ah, oh, there's, there's a QR code for this episode. So it looks yeah. to be a trend they're going to put in uh, to every episode this week or this season. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I like that. I had no idea there was one in the first episode. So that that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's really cool. So this episode I think uh, is really fun because I think it's uh, again, we're not, they're not shying away from who the villain is in this movie, right? Like usually a hero and a villain don't have an opportunity to talk out their differences. Uh, they just get to punching pretty early on. Um, this one is very interesting. I like this episode because uh, Ethan Hawke's character, Arthur Harrow, takes in uh, Stephen and kind of like tells him, like, here's what we're doing. We're doing good things, right? We're, we're helping the community. Here's what, you know, Amit wants us to do. Uh, and then you kind of find out that, you know, he was the previous Moon Knight, the previous mm-hmm. avatar for um, Khonshu. And, you know, Khonshu is kind of a dick, overall especially in this episode we got a lot of lore and i think my favorite bit of this episode is conchu i love the look of the character very imposing on the screen uh i love the voice actor that's doing the voice i've been playing a lot of elden ring and conchu looks like a character design from like a FromSoft soulsborne game to begin with so it's already kind of cool his like floating bird skull he is kind of a dick so yeah. it seems like there's we're kind of showing all of these things that are pulling at our uh character oscar isaac yeah you know what what's his what's the timid 
version of his Stephen 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 uh, Stephen Grant. Yeah, yeah. So Stephen, he's being pulled from so many different directions. He's being pulled by Mark Spector. He's being pulled by Conchu. He's being pulled by this villain. Now he's getting influence from his wife, but I, uh, it's not technically not his wife. It's Mark's Mark, wife. Mark's wife. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I like this idea that he's being pulled from all these different directions. Any sort of conflict in TV show is like where drama comes from, so that's why yeah. I'm really getting into it. it. And then ultimately, when all the strings start to pull tight, you know, he turns into Mr. Knight, right? Yeah, which is kind of a – it's funny because it's – we thought Mr. Knight was going to be more of a badass, and it's just Steven in an actual nice suit. Uh, and then he pulls out the batons and like all these screenshots we saw that like, oh, Mr. Knight's going to fight these dudes. Right. And then you're like, no, it's not. It's Steven in the suit. But it's still yeah. fun because he's like, you said use the suit. And this is the only suit he could think of in his head. So it sounds like the the user makes a suit based on what they need or, or what yeah. they perceive as being strong. And I just like that they're kind of starting to adhere to the rules that they've created, right? You know, because as a viewer, you go, okay, this human body, whether or not how many personalities are in there, right? This human body was granted the gift of of the suit, right? So this person can turn it on whenever they want. It's just that Stephen, right? Was that his name? Yes, yeah, Stephen. Stephen, he just With doesn't know about it, right? So once he kind of turns it on, like he doesn't have any experience right so mm. it ends up being a suit which is kind of funny and it makes sense right you know, he has a different personality so the yeah. suit is going it, to look different and he he was able to lay like one one heavy punch on the um the uh the anubis jackal wolf. jackal jackal jackal, jackal. Ja- 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 like uh i don't ba- know if you're familiar family with guy. The bit from family yeah. guy. i could not turn that off in my yeah. head I, I spared my wife from just obnoxiously saying it over and over is it a jackal is it a jackal it's jackal oh it was great <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I agree, but so we get to see you know um, Stephen land a punch on the jack, but he's not a fighter, right? He needs to actually be, you know, um, Mark needs to be involved because Mark is a mercenary, a fighter who mm-hmm. can take this on. So when he goes into Mark and Mark gives him control, his suit physically changes into his moon, the regular Moon Knight suit we're, we're used to. But I think the the biggest thing here is um, the reveal, not once but twice, but only. Moon Knight, Mark and Steven can see the jackals. Nobody else sees the jackals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what does that mean for these creatures that, that you know, we see are there, that he's physically fighting? They splash some water on him and you can see him. So, like, why are they not visible to everybody else around him? Is, is you know, a big I question mean, lingered I, here. I guess my assumption was going to be... So when we talk about the MCU at large, right, we're always talking about how all of this stuff came to light publicly in this version of Earth when Tony Stark announced that he was Iron Man, right? All of a sudden, this extraordinary stuff was now available to the public. But now we're starting to tread back on older kind of ancient stories, right? Like, you know, vampires, werewolves, magic and stuff. So how do you explain the existence of all of that pre-Iron Man with people not knowing? Well, I guess one strategy could be these uh, Anubis-esque characters, these jackals, they're invisible, right? So that's why the humans have not got caught on to them and they're not, like, out there, you know, in the newspapers, right? So, but also it could just be, like, a, you know, a storytelling mechanic, you know. Nobody believes uh, Steven as it is now with his, like, multiple personalities. He definitely can't get people to believe him if the jackals are invisible. So, yeah, and it could just be, like, a whole plane of existence thing, right? You know, I think... 
I don't know if the comic book character is similar to this, but like, you know, in Keanu Reeves' movie Constantine, right? Only Constantine could kind of see these demons. So it's it's a kind of a very similar plot that we've seen before. So it's not too far of a stretch to imagine how that um, could work. But I thought the jackal looked really cool. We finally got to see it a little bit more in yeah. this episode. Yep. How it's it summoned from the ground. Yeah, and then the, the, the brutalness at which Mark dispatches it uh, while impaling it on like a church spire mm-hmm. kind of thing and the visage there like you know the moon in the sky it in the air and then it turns to sand and he catches his little uh crescent moon uh fighting thing it was cool and then to see mark and, and steven kind of fight back and forth like it's my body whatever so on and so forth and it, it was a really interesting ending there with like the full conchu like you know they didn't like flash between them he was there like they that's a really good effect on that that big uh, beak skull yeah. thing for for the end and of i this think show. In- in that moment is where we learned that it's there seems to be hinting that like Mark Spector was doing something dangerous, was on the verge of death, and then yeah. that's when Conchu found him. So it seems like it was he made a deal to save his own life. I don't know if there was any connection that he had yeah. to Conchu before that, but it just seemed right. like just you know, just a bystander yeah. was dying and then yeah. all of a sudden, well, I have a chance to stay alive if this, yeah. you know, moon god you know, can work through me. And and then it also kind of leans into, to two things from Conchu that are the dickish things. One is he's threatening to use his wife as the next avatar. If he gives him up, which is Mm. like, what the fuck? Uh, Sorry for my language there, but like, what? that's like, that doesn't make me like Conchu any better. Uh, And then two, um, there's always quote unquote, one more job, right? Arthur says like, Mm -hmm. Conchu will never give you up because there's always one last thing along the way. So it sounds like, you know, um, comparable to like mafia people like yeah you're always in our debt no matter what you do um mm-hmm. so that i I'm, I'm i'm curious to see where this goes when is the script gonna flip and we find out harrow is evil and conchu's actually doing the right thing or will we ever find that out and we just you know no one in this is actually a redeemable character not even the gods uh yeah along the I way i mean i was saying conchu looked really cool so uh ethan hawk's god i don't remember that god's Amit. name but isn't it supposed to be alligator-esque is that the kind of visual that they because i think his cane has like two alligator heads yeah so i'm looking i hope we get to see that i want to see the alligator god like come to life do something cool maybe Kanshu well, can physically battle yeah. and like maybe there'll be like a, maybe like the final like action scene of this of the season there'll be like a side-by-side fight of, oh well um, it's funny well, because amit is actually the head of a lion or head of a crocodile the the forefront of a lion and the hindquarters of a hippopotamus. Oh, so that's badass. Like like I like I like I'm like oh you you think it's just alligator crocodiles? Wait till you hear the rest of this creature. Uh, well, so we're still waiting for one more character, right? That's powered. It's not Nightman, right? Or what? It, what's the mm-hmm. name of the character? I don't remember. It's our the actor. Wasn't that the actor that unfortunately? died in a skiing accident oh right? uh yeah i don't know if he's an he might be some uh, another mercenary i don't know if he's actually a powered person in this he might he might be a mercenary name we don't know yeah um, because ethan hawk doesn't seem to be a scrapper right other people seem to be doing the dirty work for him while he like doles out the magic so uh, maybe he gets to put a suit on at some mm-hmm. point in time. I don't know. Maybe all Egyptian gods come with cool suits. You know, yeah. that could be kind of neat. So I guess we'll see. But also you do kind of get into the trope of palette swap enemy. So if they don't go that direction, I'd be okay with it. 
But if you have to kind of quote unquote palette swap, at least go in the way different direction, right? Maybe yeah. Ethan Hawke's suit is like totally wild and different and not even close to the same. Like, yeah, because he's got those tattoos, uh, the tattoo that, you know, um, balances the cane, right? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it could go any way um, based on that as well. Could he be a tattooed person rather than an actual like, you know, suited up mm-hmm. kind of person? But I, I do believe Ethan Hawke will eventually get powers of some sort, maybe to be a, a, a scrappy person to fight Moon Knight, you know, powered by Amit, you know, and powered by, uh, you know, again, uh, Kanchi on the other side of this. But So far, so good. Yeah. Uh, enjoying it. Do we have uh, a track on how many episodes this is supposed to it's be? Six. I know I was going on and on about this. <laughs> yeah, six episodes for for this series. Um, okay, which, gotcha. So we're we're almost halfway through. Yep, yeah, we'll be halfway through next week. I think what to me, it feels like episodes one and two felt like one long episode um, when you put them together. Like where the the first one ends is great, but like this really answers a lot more questions. Like who's Mark? Who are all these people? Like. The questions that were in the first episode, like, kind of got resolved here to set him on his journey through yeah. uh, through Arthur. Kn- so it's fine. It's good yeah. to have both these episodes together. Yeah, we know the stakes now. We know yeah. th- we know what has to be done. We know the accomplishments. We we've seen the um, the uh, MacGuffin uh, compass, right? Yeah. We know that there's going to be a locale change coming up. And actually, at the end of the episode, he was in Egypt. So yeah, yeah, uh, he did wake up in Egypt, which is great because yeah. they can use this blackout moments to literally travel anywhere without having to show us. Yeah. how we got really there convenient. yeah <laughs> great storytelling mechanic yep yep exactly so yeah moon knight uh, again recommend recommended can't wait to see season three and see what else they get i heard i heard episode four is the big one so very okay. excited to see the back half of this season all right mike well that's the show for this week let's uh let's wrap it up and get people on their way if people want to know what you're doing what you're up to where can they find you they can find me at Mike Royer Design on instagram twitter and tiktok and you can read my web comics at pickled comics Dot com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter, Valdan, V-A-L-D-A-N, or Instagram, Valdan87. Uh, people know about the show, what we're doing. Uh, listen to our review of Morbius from last week. Where can they get all these good episodes at? Oh, all you got to do is visit Superhero Slate. Dot com. That is the hub, the headquarters, the Avengers Tower, the Batcave for Superhero Slate, SuperheroSlate.com. You can get our awesome show notes over there if you want to check back on what we talked about this week or last week or the hundreds of weeks before this. Literally, hundreds of weeks. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever else you love to listen to fine podcasts like our own. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can get merch at SuperheroSlate.com. We love hearing from you. Please reach out. We had a very, very um, uh, helpful listener of the show that yeah. uh, sent me the uh, episode uh, count for Halo. Yes. Because I was going on and on and on about I never know how many episodes there is. So uh, thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, reach out. We love hearing from you. And we love our super fans. So if you want to be a super fan of this here show, it's so easy to do. All you have to do is share the show with a friend. Share the show with a buddy. And we will be here every week, folks. That's right. We will catch you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe.